sometimes you can just be in here and you can kind of sense God's spirit, can't you? You can sense the encouragement and the, the love and, and the compassion. And, you know, I, as I said before, I, I stand here at times and I'm like, I'm overwhelmed at the love that, that Jesus offers us all. The forgiveness that he gives each one of us. And, you know, I want us to understand something. And, and that is this. We will do what is needed. We will do what is needed. Means we will go the extra mile. We'll push ourselves further. We'll seek the Lord for guidance and direction. And not only hear what he wants of us, but we will act upon what he wants of us. So we will do what is needed to reach people who don't know who? Christ. This Christ that we serve, this Christ that we say that we love, this Christ that we come in here week after week, service after service, to say that we're proclaiming our worship to and our commitment to. We will do what is needed to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach the people no one is reaching. We will do. The, the word do there is it's an action. It doesn't mean that we're going to sit back. It doesn't mean that we're going to let things uh, evolve around us. Rather, we are going to evolve around everything else. We're going to be the leaders in which God has called us to be. We're going to be the church in which God intended to be. We will do what is needed to reach the people who don't know who, Christ. To reach the people no one is reaching, we will do. God did not give us a small commission, but he gave us a what? A great commission to go where? Into all of the world to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and his love. We will do what is needed to reach the people who do not know Christ to reach people no one is reaching we will do things no one is doing week number one of this uh, sermon series that I'm finishing out today called Jesus and we we talked about being big thinking big thinking faith-filled individuals that we would never insult God with small thinking or safe living week two we talked about serving that we're not going to be just spiritual consumers in the church. Many of you weren't here last week, and I, and I understand the weather and different things. Go on our website, churchbythebeach.org, podcast. You can hear the message there. But God did not call us to be spiritual consumers. But rather, he called us to be spiritual contributors. That means pouring into other people's lives. Today, we're going to talk about the value of reaching people who are far from God. People who, who don't know Christ. People in our everyday life that we're surrounded with. Our family, friends, co-workers. People that maybe we just come across and we say, well, that was just, it's just so happened I came across that individual. Was it such as so happened? Or maybe was God planting a seed through you 
to reach someone. So we're going to take a look in Mark chapter 2 this morning. And we're going to start at the end of the chapter. Then we're going to work our way back to the beginning. But I want to give you a little bit of context with the scriptures here before we launch off. We understand that in this moment Jesus had healed a guy. And then he called Matthew or Levi. Who was a very sinful tax collector. And it's amazing to me how uh, God and, and Jesus just continue to call tax collectors. The IRS still has a hope. (laughs) To the shock of all the religious people, this very well-known sinner not only decided to follow Jesus. You know, it's remarkable to me. You know, you read the scriptures where God calls or Jesus calls the disciples. And it's like he just speaks a few words and they're like, you know what? I'm going to drop my life. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go with you. And I think to myself and I'm like, so why is it so difficult for us to do that? Something to ponder on for a moment. So here we got this well-known tax collector, sinner. He's he's an outrageous character. He's controversial. And this is what happens. He throws a party at his house. He evidently invites the worst of the worst in the community. The Pharisees and the religious people are, are highly offended at this because guess who's there with them? Jesus. They kind of ask a question. I mean, why does Jesus eat with sinners? Why does Jesus eat with sinners? That's how we would say it. Jesus' response was shockingly, it was controversial. It was jaw-dropping even, possibly, to them. It was even unbelievable. Even when I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. This is what he said. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. Wow. Let that resonate in you for a moment. Jesus in this one passage of scripture, I can't help but just get overwhelmed here for a moment because he says, look, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but who? It's the sick. And and it, it goes even further here. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He has come to call the sinners. The Pharisees, in in that moment, that was like hearsay to them. It was almost as if they were drooling at the mouth. It's an emotional verse when you recognize that Jesus did not come for healthy. But he came for broken. He came for individuals who were in despair. He came for the hurting. He came for the misfortune. He came for individuals who who not only um, life dealt them a raw hand, but they dealt themselves a bad hand. How many of us in this room this morning can say, you know what? Not only have I gone through issues in life that I could not control that really were horrible, but I've also dealt many of those issues on my own life, causing my own problems. And we can understand that Jesus has come for people just like that. He didn't come for all of those who who have it all together, but he came for the broken, the sinner. I believe that before we get to the end of this message this morning, that some of you, it's like a light bulb's gonna go off and you're gonna be like, I get this, I see this. What I wanna talk to you this morning is about reaching people. This is the third sermon that I'm dealing with reaching people. 
Again, I hope you understand the vision and where God is casting us and sending us to. I'm going to show you a really powerful story about four guys in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read these passages. A few days later, when Jesus again entered in Capernaum, this was kind of like his headquarters. This is his spot. The people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. I want to stop there for just to keep that up, please. Stop there for just a second. Who gathered? Sinners gathered. Followers gathered. Many gathered. People who were looking to criticize him gathered. People who were trying to make sure that Jesus was, was going to stumble and fall, they wanted to be there in that moment. They wanted evidence. They wanted firsthand proof. So Jesus had all the spectrum right in front of him. So they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, but not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Stop right there for a minute. This is one of those moments where, can you imagine, just try to comprehend the type of message that Jesus spoke. You know, funny, you know, at times, um, my, my, my devotional time or my quiet time is always in the morning. First thing in the morning, it's before all the chaotic mess happens in my house. I love my chaotic mess, though, you know. And uh, so I'll get into the word and I'll go through my devotional time and I'll study if I'm, I'm looking at something for Wednesday or for Sunday. And then I'll sit down for a moment and I'll, I'll flip through the Christian network channels. Sometimes I, I, I this is bad. Sometimes I watch them just to kind of laugh. Some of it's kind of weird, all right? Let's face it, some of it's kind of weird. But then there are those ones that are like my favorites, right? And so I'm sitting there and, 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 and I'll be listening to some of my favorite speakers. And so as I was reading this scripture this week, when Jesus spoke a word or he preached a word to them, I couldn't help but just get a little excited and imagine what kind of word did Jesus speak? How did he present his message? Was he calm and collective? Was he exciting and crazy? Did he talk about his family and his past experiences? How exactly did Jesus speak? I have no idea, so we're going to move on. <laughs> Number three. Verse three. Some men came. We're going to get back to that in a minute. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. We'll stop right there. No, uh, uh, stop right there. What fascinates me here about this moment? This is a scripture that really didn't jump out to me. I mean, the ending part did, but the beginning part never really jumped out to me until this week. In fact, until two days ago, did it really jump out to me. Because we have always heard with this story that four men took Jesus. They went to, to no, they didn't take Jesus. They took the paralyzed man to Jesus. All right. That's what we've always heard it at. But when you look at the first part of this sentence or the first part of this verse, what does it say? It says, some men came. You need to understand there's something powerful about that. Because at the end of this verse, it speaks of four men who carried. Now, some, in my opinion, is greater than four. So there was a lot of people who really love this guy. 
who was making an effort to make sure they took their friend or their family member or their acquaintance and help out, or maybe somebody that they just met to take them to Jesus because why? They saw a need. Now, what is even more remarkable to me is oftentimes when the Bible speaks of men, it just literally says men. I wonder how many women and how many children is included of the sum. There's love here. There's compassion here. Those first three words of this scripture sum up the entire life of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, I don't see the word love. Some men came. That's love. I don't see the word compassion. Some men came. That's compassion. I think to myself as a church, we need to become some men. We need to become the some. Now, the scripture doesn't really tell us how far that they had to travel to take this person. We see here at the last part, it says carried by four of them. Again, something that sticks out into my mind, depending on the length of the travel that they had to take this man to go see Jesus, I wonder how many times someone had to substitute for someone else who was carrying him because maybe fatigue set in. That blows my mind for a minute because it seems like to me, more times than it should happen, is the moment fatigue sets in in us spiritually, when we are trying to help someone or bring them to Christ, what do we do? We step aside and give up on the matter. But what happened here in this moment? Others came in to help carry this man to Jesus Christ. So let's move on to verse 4. Since they could not get him to Jesus, and because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want you to notice something. Before Jesus heals this guy, before he performs in our minds, which is the greatest miracle in this story, which is the man getting up and walking out, Jesus actually performs the greatest miracle of all time by saying, your sins are forgiven. The biggest need first was the man's spiritual need, not the natural problem. Understand that sometimes the biggest problems in our life isn't what we're going through naturally or physically, but it's your spiritual problem. Jesus is more concerned here about the man's spiritual life before he even recognizes the physical dilemma. God is more interested in your internal healing before he is ever interested in your physical healing. Some of you need to understand this. You know, I had a couple, several, man, like in the spring or even further, 
who had come to me, and they were on vacation. I said this story one other time, and they sat down in front of me, and since then, everything has changed for me. I've got to admit something here. Before, when people would come to me and they want to talk, we would discuss the problem, and we would try to figure a way spiritually and through Scripture how we're going to deal with this. But then, when this couple came to me with a very serious need, the wife's broken, the husband's broken. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? It just hit me. There's a spiritual problem here before there's a, your physical problem. Some of us need to understand that right now. Some of you have been so caught up in praying over your physical need or what you feel is the most important need And right now, God is opening your eyes. And he's saying, no. The biggest problem is your spiritual need. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, I I follow Christ and I love Jesus. That's fine. That's great. I'm thankful for that. But it doesn't mean that you don't still get spiritually weak at times. It doesn't mean that you don't spiritually begin to second-guess God and second-guess what he can do. So we need to take a look at our own need, our spiritual need. This morning, we're talking about reaching people. and So I'm going to ask you a question here. Actually, not really a question. I want you to rate yourself. In your mind, don't don't talk to the person beside you. But in your mind, rate yourself 1 to 10. 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. 1 being are you apathetic about people for God. Or 10, being you're super passionate about people for God. You see, we we, we oftentimes have to call it what it is. Some of us, it's been a while since you've prayed about somebody to find Christ. In fact, there may be some of you in this room who could say, you know what? I don't even know that I've ever really prayed for somebody to form or to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that to to bring guilt or shame. I'm saying that to open our eyes, to understand that God has called us to be spiritual contributors. That God has called us to be faith-filled, big-thinking individuals. We need to understand that God has equipped us with talents, abilities, know-how to fulfill his scriptures. If you find yourself writing yourself, say maybe a two, three, four, or five, some of you might be like, well, five, that's pretty decent. No, it stinks. In fact, it's pretty unacceptable. Can I, can I just be honest? We don't just want to bring people to Jesus, we have to bring people to Jesus. I'm gonna repeat that. We don't just want to bring people to Jesus, but we have to bring people to Jesus because we know who he is and what life really means for eternity. So we're going to look at two different points here. Two things that are going to help us to understand this. Number one, if you're writing, look in your bulletin, you got an outline there. Here's your first point. Bear some burdens. Bear some burdens. I love it because 
In verse 3 of where we were reading, it said, Some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. We need to understand here that the biggest weakness that we have today comes to a lot of us as Christ followers is sharing our faith. It really is. One of the hardest things when you talk to somebody about witnessing and, and you know, are we contributing spiritually to people's lives? One of the hardest things is people will say, you know what? It's sharing it. It's having confidence, you know, in my Christianity that I can speak about God's word in, in a manner that I'm confident about. So oftentimes, you know, I've heard people say this, that, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come by a friend or something that, that's not following Christ and they'll say, hey, you know what? Come church, come church Sunday and just kind of leave it alone at that. You know, um, you know it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the whole drive-by witnessing deal. You're trying to hurry up and get it out so you feel better about yourself, okay? Like you're really making an impact, but you're really not. Think about that. Sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll go about and... and this is hard to say, but some of us, will, we can actually become mean about sharing our witness to people. You know, we'll look at them and say, you turn or burn. Think about it. I've heard people say that. Is there truth in that? Possibly, yeah. But is that the right way to share the love of Christ? Absolutely not. You might say, you know what, I, I, I don't know enough you know, to share it. Here's an old saying that I came across. It says this, people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Think about that. People aren't so much interested as much as you know, but they're more interested in how much you care. You know, do you care about me? Will you be involved in my life? One of the things that I want us to get away from as a church, and I've done this the last several weeks, is saying, I'm not going to invite people to come to the house of God. I'm not. I'm not inviting anyone any longer to come to church. We're going to bring them to church. We're going to bring them into the house of God. We're not going to leave it open into question and say, hey, will you go to church with me tomorrow? No, I'm coming to your house, 1030, and you're going to go to hear the best pastor you've ever heard in your entire life. It was getting kind of scary for a minute. I had to throw something in there. I was like, this ship is sinking. I'm serious though. We need to get to the spot where we're saying, I'm bringing you to church. I love you so much. I care about your eternal existence. I don't care about you right now. I care about you later. Hey, we do care about them right now, okay? Think about that. Bring a friend to church. Bring somebody into the house with you. Not necessarily inviting them. What's stunning to me is that, think about this. Jesus, he's in his house. He's teaching. It's full of people. They're jam-packed. They get in the house. But how did they get into this house? What caused them to get into this house? A lot of things happened. What happens sometimes is we're in church and we have a need and or somebody else around us might have a need. and We can see it on their face at times. 
We can look at people sometimes when they come into the house and and, into the building and, and man, they just don't look like they're in it. They don't look like they're in the service. They like deer in headlights. I get that sometimes. I stand up here. I see what y'all look like. Some days you're in it. Some days you're like, it's football, football day. I got to hurry and get out of here and get my restaurant, you know. What you need to understand is that we need to be very observant about one another. We really do. We need to show the compassion and the love that Jesus showed you on the day that you gave your life to him. We don't need to look at other people and go, you know, I don't have time for their problems because I have my what? My own problems. Now, I don't know about you, but you know what really gets me sometimes is when I stop focusing on Kevin and then I start focusing on Joe and his need, my need becomes so much, more, so much less while I'm focusing on him lifting up my brother. And then all of a sudden, it's crazy how it works out. Jesus kind of comes in and creeps into my need and begins to take care of it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Has anybody ever experienced that in their life? So we need to begin to be a church that carries burdens. Not a church that says, you know, we really don't care about you. I believe with all my heart that we're called to bear burdens. We live in a hurting world. We, we, some of you this morning, you're hurting. We need to be involved in people's lives. You know, when we need to become that family that we say that we are. When somebody's having a baby and they're throwing a shower, guess what? We need to be there. When a family member dies in someone's family, instead of texting them, how about you show up to the funeral? When they're in need, how about we bear the burden with them? How about we just don't do the drive-by witnessing, but we actually show them love and that we care and that we want to be there for one another. See, Jesus says, if you add eyes to eyes or eyes to see, you're going to see people who are hurting. And you're going to see people who need you to listen. And you're going to see people that need help on the side of the road. And you know what? You need to help them. You're going to see your brother and sister who's struggling spiritually. Maybe they've missed several services. And you're thinking to yourself, why hasn't Pastor Kevin given that call? How about you give that call? How about you share some love? When you see a family member who, who maybe is not following Christ and and they're going the wrong route. How about you sit down and eat with a sinner? Didn't Jesus do it? It's time to show love. We don't want to just get people to Jesus. We have to get people to Jesus. Number two, the second thing is this, and you guys should really be good at this. You need to break some rules, right? Now, I know not everyone in here is, is perfect and has done everything according to, to everything. I, did, did everybody really wait 30 minutes after eating before you went swimming? Think about that. Seriously. I remember growing up and, and you know, 
I'm not that old. I'm only 38. But I remember when seatbelts weren't necessarily the necessary thing to have to put on every time you get in the car. My mom was my seatbelt. Anybody, anybody remember them days? Thank you. Yes. I do that now when people got seatbelts on. You were driving down the road in the minivan that I never thought I would drive. Right? And all of a sudden, you know, I got to slam the brakes on. Andrew's over there, and I'm like, you know? Anyway, we do it. How about this? Who ran with scissors? And a lollipop in your mouth. So there, it's proof. We like to break rules. In this story, we have four guys who massively break some rules to do whatever it takes. They needed to reach an individual for Christ. Verse 4 talks all about it. These four guys, what did they do? Since they could not get to him, Jesus, because of the crowd. I just can't even imagine the crowd here. I could see them approaching with their massive amount of people with them, by the way, who loves this person so much. Don't forget that. That they arrive and they see this crowd around this house. What's remarkable to me is that some of us would have reached that destination and we would have turned around and said, maybe another day. It's just a little too inconvenient for me in this moment. That's not what happens. So they arrive and they get there and and they're probably trying to figure a way how they could get into the door because they know Jesus is in there. There's a lot of people excited and there's a lot of people who are mad probably. There's a lot of skeptics. There's a lot of people who are just sitting back wanting to see what happens. There's a lot of people who are truly there because they want more of his teaching and his love and his compassion. And so they get there and they're trying to get into the door and they can't. So I can imagine them then looking at a window. Maybe we can slide this guy into the window. Let's, let's try to find something even, you know, the door's real convenient. But let's go to the window. That's our next best option. Some of us, if we got to the door, we'd have said, maybe another day. So this group comes. These four guys are carrying. I can imagine by this time, they're probably going, somebody find us a way because it's getting heavy but we're not letting go. We're not stopping. The burden is heavy right now, but I'm not going to quit. So the scripture says that what? So they could not get him to Jesus because of the ground. They made an opening in the roof above. Now, here's what you need to understand. The roof, this is what was on the roof in that day. It probably had posts or beams that were about three feet apart. And then the roof was actually made of mud. Then fat of animals. That's disgusting. And then manure. But you know what they did on these roofs? The manure was to fertilize for the grass to grow. Because in that day they would go up there and they would take a nap. So here you got these guys. These people. I want you to get a mental picture here. You need to begin to feel this for a moment. This is important. They're carrying this guy because they got a burden for him. There's a compassion. There's a love. They've bought into this Jesus thing. This experience. So they're carrying him to Jesus. And they get there and they see a crowd from a distance. 
but it doesn't stop them. And they continue to move forward. And as they approach the house, they're probably thinking, let's get through the door. If we could just get through the doorway. And they realize they can't. In that moment, they could have gave up, but they didn't. So I'm just automatic. the scripture doesn't say, but I'm automatically thinking, then they're looking for a window or they're looking for another route, maybe a back door, something, somehow to get this man because they know if they can get him to Jesus, everything's going to change because there's a burden there for this man's life. There's a compassion. There's a burning inside. There's a love that we need to understand and we need to begin to get in our own life. A burning, a compassion, a love for someone who is in need and is, who is hurting. And so as they go and they're trying to find an alternate route in and, and I can just see when I'm going, you know what? I got an idea. I know how we can do this. Let's get on the roof. Some of them right there of us might've said, you know what? No, no, no. We'll, we'll drop him. We'll fall. I mean, the guy's already paralyzed anyway. What can you lose? <laughs> there should have been a filter right there. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> but it's true. So, so they're, they're, they're carrying this guy up on the roof. And I wonder if they're thinking, oh my gosh, you know what kind of manure we have to get through? Think about that word I just used. There's some people in your life that really just stink. But God has called you to clean them up. God has called you. He has set you aside. He has equipped you with the abilities and the talents to bring them to the one who can what? Cleanse and wipe away all sin, shame. But man, the moment we see the crowd, we turn around. The moment we just get our first sense of opposition and think this can't be God's will for us to go any further. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe, just maybe, the opposition that's set before you is a distraction that Satan is trying to keep you from several things. One, your blessing. Number two, most importantly, is the other man's blessing. So we need to understand. The key is to reach people that no one's reaching. And that we as a church are going to have to do things that no one is doing. We're going to have to do things that maybe not be the normal from a church. I have a vision of a community involvement team branched starting from our church that will reach into our communities and surrounding areas with people who are in need to help them to assist them. You say, well, the church, we're just supposed to bring the gospel. And you want to bring the gospel, show it in your life. Show that compassion, show that love. Well, that's too hard. Do you not think it wasn't hard for them men to get that guy to Jesus? The manure they had to get through, I want that to sink in for a moment. You see, I see a church that doesn't judge those who are without Christ, but loves them. To know that the grace of Jesus 
I see a church full of people who will bear burdens, get messy, get dirty, and get involved in the lives of the people of its community. I see a church where we are going to carry one another's burdens as well as the burdens of our community, and we're going to see a difference. I see a church, and you're going to say, wow, I can't believe you're saying this, that's going to break some rules and cut through some religious manure to reach people for Jesus. I see a church full of people who knows what it means to be sick and knows what it means to be healed. Knows what it means to be in the dark, but knows what it needs, means to be forgiven. When you know that by the grace of Jesus, then we will do what is needed to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one's reaching. We have to do things that no one is doing. Because God is calling every one of us to lead people to become what? Fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. You know, I stand here and I look at you and I see individuals who may have been carrying some burdens for some people for some time, but man, you know what? It got heavy. It got hard. The opposition was great. And you thought to yourself, I I can't carry this burden by myself. And you're right. As an individual, you can't carry the burden by yourself. You remember the first part of verse 3, it says, some came. That's a group of people. That's a bunch of people. That's a lot of people. And then a latter part of that verse, it said four of them carried him. So we know that there was more than four people carrying the burden of this man. Carrying him to Jesus. I think to myself, I can't sometimes carry the burden of my own. But you know what? When I have another brother with me or another sister with me, the burden what? It gets a little lighter, doesn't it? And then when another joins in, what happens? It gets a little lighter. And so on and so forth. We're a family. We're the family of God. We are the church. The church is not necessarily a building. The church is the gathering of people. We're the body of Christ. It's time for us to come together and to carry the burdens of one another. It's time for us to go into our community, our workplaces, our families. It's time for us to make a difference in this world. It's time for us, instead of coming into the house of God, to be the house of God outside of these walls. You say, Pastor, you're talking a lot. You're speaking a lot. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, it sounds great, but I just don't see it happening. Watch. Watch and see. Challenge me, I dare you. Because I will make sure that every one of us in this room will begin to carry the burden of other people to carry the burden of one another.
Now we will go in this community. We will carry the burdens of our community and you will begin to see people change. You will see people come through these doors that you never thought you would see. You will see relationships built. God is about to do the most amazing thing. And I can't wait. You see, every week I've been setting us up for this moment. I've been setting us up for the future. Not me, actually God is setting us up. Because you need to understand, we need to have a heart for people, for the lost. We need to have compassion and love and understanding. When somebody's crying, we need to sit there and we need to cry with them. When someone's hurting, we need to sit there and we need to hurt with them. But when they're rejoicing, guess what? We need to rejoice with them. When they're praising, we're going to praise with them. We're going to be different. We're going to be what God intended the church to be. We're going to fulfill what the greatest commission of all, and that is to take the word of God and reach people for Jesus Christ. You know, this morning I could, I could give an altar call right now and say, you know what, those of you, this is impact. Come on down and we're going to pray. My prayer is that this is impact all of you. That you can see right now, you know what, Pastor Kevin, I need... I need to begin to carry people's burdens. I failed at that. Or maybe at one time I was good at it, but man, it got tiring. That's okay. You know what the greatest thing about Jesus is? You can you get a redo all the time. You can reset it. We can start anew. So my challenge this morning is, do you want to reset? Do you want to start anew? Do you want to be that type of individual that we just read about of those some? Not just the four, because I believe there was more than four involved. But it was a multitude of people. And I stand here and I see what? A multitude of people. And I wonder, are we going to be like them in the scripture? Are we going to continue to go about life as we've been doing? Well, I tell you, if you're going to go about life as you've been doing, I'm going to steamroll right on past. Because we're going to take this church and we're going to do things different for Jesus Christ. We're going to be a church that's going to be full of love and it's full of compassion. Our statement says everyone is welcome. Everyone is what? Needed. And everyone is what? Change. Say change. As we say it again, change. That's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are, what you are, what you're doing, what you're going to do. Wow, the sky's the limit with you, Lord. And we love you. So this morning, Lord, our prayer is that God, help us to carry the burdens of our community, our friends, our loved ones. Equip us with your word. Lord, we just don't want to be the individual that does a drive-by witness, but God, we want to be the individual that just doesn't invite, but says, you know what, I'm going to bring you into the house of God with me today. That we're going to be an individual like through your scriptures in Mark where it's spoken of where they carried the man to Jesus and they, 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 they sent him through the top of the roof. God, we're going to do more for you. We're going to go above and beyond to make sure, Lord, that we are fulfilling your great commission, to make sure, Lord, that we're fulfilling the vision and the mission that you have for us as a church. We're a family. It's time for us to act like a family 
Family doesn't abandon one another. Family sticks beside one another. And we fight through this. As a church, we're going to fight through each other's problems. But God, we're going to reach in our community. We're going to do great things. Because Lord, you're going to equip us. You've already given us talents and abilities, but Lord, now you're going to begin to stir. That's what we're asking. Stir it up. Help us to think of new ways to minister. Let's do stuff that's not been done before. We don't want to be the follower, but Lord, we want to be the leader now. We want to be the exception. So God, we love you. That's our prayer this morning. Now for every individual that's here today, Lord, bless their lives, bless their families. Bless them, God. If there's somebody here today who doesn't know you but has been inspired and wants to get to know you, I pray that before they leave here, they come and see me and we make that right today. God, we love you. So Lord, open up the floodgates. Pour out your spirit upon every one of us and let us make a difference in the lives of everyone that we come in contact with. Lord, when people see us, they see you. When we talk, we talk of you. There's power and life in the tongue. We want to bring life. And we love you. And we glorify you. And so, Father, as we leave this place this morning, we make this proclamation. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. I love you all. Have a great day.